Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earl. We're here today with Ben Dunks talking about his book, Intimacy, A Guide for Young Men about sex. Ben has been working in dance for 24 years, performing, making, teaching, managing, and exploring everything to do with the creative and moving body. For the past four years, he has been interviewing young men and young women about their experiences with sex and everything that they wish they knew. And and he's created a very helpful and detailed guide for young men on just about every topic they could possibly want to know when it comes to sex. We're going to talk about why it's so hard to talk about sex and why there is such a lack of good information out there for young men. We'll look at the unique challenges that parents face when trying to discuss sex with our teenagers. We're going to explore these misperceptions about what it means to be a man and this idea that you just have to kind of already know everything and have everything already figured out and you can't show any vulnerability or ask questions. We're going to talk about pleasure and how to make sure you're focusing on your partner's pleasure. We're going to look at pleasuring yourself and why that's so important. We're going to talk about when sex begins, when it ends, how do you know when it's over, and what do you need to know about orgasms and how to talk about those. Ben's going to share the two most important rules when it comes to sex. And we're going to talk about some sensitive issues like penis size and having sex during periods. We're even going to talk about sex shops and sex toys and what we should teach our teenagers about that. It's going to be a very intimate conversation here on Talking to Teens, and we're really excited to get into it. Ben, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We got quite a topic today. You have a book on intimacy, and really it gets into some pretty intimate topics. Talk to me a little about what inspired this book and why you ended up writing this. Well, I mean, intimacy, it's a guide for young men about sex. And I actually started writing another book about eight years ago, which is about called Men and Menopause, which was a um, guide for us blokes to court our incredible wives and sisters and partners and, you know, colleagues in going through menopause. I kind of got sidetracked because I started to see across media just this epidemic of sexual assault that was happening on our young women mm. from our young men and kind of pursuing it further. And, and because in the Men and Menopause book, there was a chapter on intimacy. So when you start to write about intimacy, it takes quite a step to do so. <laughs> so, but once you've taken that step, you think, actually, I've got something to offer here and to think about in different ways here. So I was starting to see this epidemic in the media and I was working with a lot of young people and they were talking about the young men in their lives who were just had quite a twisted and dangerous view of intimate encounters. And, you know, coming to a lot of media and, and seeing just a lot of the, well, the ubiquity of porn, basically, and teaching these young men essentially what they, all the information that they thought they needed about intimate encounters. And a couple of other things around that, 
these young men are being shamed for watching porn. They're being shamed for that this is their only formation. Uh, and we have a deficit model of young people in our society, mm. particularly young men. You know, our, you know the, the snowflake attitude, or the you know that I work very hard attitude, or it's just a really negative attitude. And and particularly with young men, and just this portrayal of all these young men being sexual predators in waiting. And there was nothing there. There was nothing there for them. There was an alternative. I couldn't find anything, particularly the 16 to 22 age bracket, which is what I've written the book for, which is when, you know, they're really starting to explore themselves and their intimate futures. So I thought, actually, there isn't, I couldn't see anything else in the space. I'd been writing about intimacy for men and menopause, and I thought, I think I have something to add to this conversation. I'm Australian. I've lived in the UK now for 23 years, but I still bring a, a very straightforward Australian sensibility to these kinds of conversations and these kinds of topics. And, and I thought that's what was needed. A very straightforward, quite frank, not embarrassed, not shaming ideas on what the reality of an intimate life could be, should be, how they could go about it. Because the reality is that if porn is the teacher and then the violence and the assault that they see in porn and those algorithms just take them into some pretty dark places and that's what they think intimate encounters are. How are we expecting them to do something different if there isn't other information out there for them? They're not going to. So I felt that this was just a different pathway for them to focus on. And the sort of the central theme is focusing on your partner and focusing on your partner's pleasure and focusing on supporting your partner's experience within any intimate encounter. And by focusing on your partner's pleasure, you're not going to get into the assault by default that is happening right. so yeah. much in terms of these encounters. So much of the conversation around sex becomes focused on what not to do, how, hey, oh, really big mistake, or just even how, you know, porn is evil and danger. And we worry about our kids getting into something that they shouldn't be or getting weird ideas from the internet that maybe if we do have any conversations around sex, it seems like it's really kind of, you know, warnings and negative. And there's really just such a lack of talking about the positive side. How do we really do what you're saying and focus on our partner's pleasure and how do we actually go about that there's no really it's like awkward to talk about and i think it's very rare to find parents who talk about sex at all with their kids let alone actually talk about it in a positive way or you know how to have really good sex and it's kind of why do you think that is or just where do you think that sort of that deficit model comes from or oh it's it's, it's such an interesting question andy it's i think we have this fear that if we describe our intimate encounters as positive and, and fun they're, all our 16-year-olds are going to go out, get at it. Yeah, we don't want, we don't want to encourage them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I think we encourage them by telling them not to. Mm. You know, we've all been teenagers, all of us adults have been teenagers. We remember that someone told us not to do it, we go and do it. It's part of the experience of being that age is you want to push your boundaries, you want to explore the edges of yourself and how you exist within the society within which you sit. And part of that is someone tells you not to do something, then off you go. But if we talk about something positively and we have an open conversation about it, the desire, our young people then have the opportunity to then, they have more information, they can come to better understanding of themselves within that information. And actually they explore their parents as people <laughs> rather than evil dictators who are telling them no 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 you're going to get pregnant you'll get stds your life is going to be horrible i've read some things online where, where adults are saying i hope all teenagers have really bad sexual experiences to begin with so they don't 
do it. It's like, this, this is horrible. Yeah, I know, it's just it's horrible to read. So there's this idea of pleasure and this idea of sharing an intimate moment with somebody else, whether it's an intimate moment as we're talking about, whether it's an intimate conversation with your best friend, with your wife, with your parents, what, they're profoundly important parts of our life. It's who we are with each other and how we talk to each other. It's this intimate conversations and sharing of vulnerability. And to discuss that, particularly for young lads or, or for, for older teenage boys, to discuss, to have conversations with parents where parents are being vulnerable with them, maybe vulnerable with, with their parents. It creates a trust and it creates a conversation pathway, open doors to a whole multitude of other things. And I think sometimes parents think, okay, so I have never had a conversation with my child. I now need to launch right into the massive conversation first time off. They're just going to bounce their child out right. of that conversation. Like it's, I mean, this is, this is obviously one of your areas of expertise, but just those, those stepping lightly to mm. begin with into the conversations is important. I've had some parents who've bought my book who are now telling me they're sitting down with their boys and reading it chapter by chapter, Ooh. which is amazing. Blew my mind. I wasn't expecting people to come back to me and tell me that. And these are people I don't know. Just sort of oh, messaging I love that. Going, this book has enabled us to find a way in to these conversations. Yeah. I mean, intimacy is, is such an important part of all of our lives. I think there's a stereotype where it's like if you see in a movie or a TV show a parent having a conversation with the teenager about sex, it's kind of always the same thing where the kid's like, oh, I don't want to talk about this. Oh, no, no, no. And it's like, hey, well, we just got to do it. And, you know, we just got to have this talk. It's really... It's important. And while, like we were talking about warnings, warnings, birds and the bees talk, as we say, and like, it doesn't really have to be that way. But if we subscribe to that stereotype, or if that's all that we see in the media in terms of parents talking to kids about sex, then that's going to really color, I think, the interactions when we do try to engage in something like that. And how do you think we can kind of break ourselves out of that or yeah, engage in a way where it doesn't feel that way? Just starting with small conversations, small topics, nothing scary. But just, you're just touching the edge of it. And it might be that you pick a, a chapter in the book that's not scary. There are not scary, <laughs> not suggesting some of the chapters are scary. They're frank. And some of them are more frank than others. And I think some of them can be a little bit more confronting with others. But there's plenty of things in there that, that they can talk about and they can open a, a conversation with, even if they don't share the chapter. I mean, it's just discussing if, you know, maybe it's something what's happened at, in school, in their life what's happening with various different things. It's just, it's not even talking about intimacy. Sometimes part of those stereotypes is that we can, we're not even allowed to get into conversations about any aspect of our teenagers' lives. It's just slowly breaking down the barriers. It's listening to the answers. It's sometimes our lives can be so busy that we ask a question, but we don't really listen to the answer yeah. or we don't listen to the non-answer. Being present with your young person and just and listen and respond. And maybe there's love, you know, you don't always have to be the, the wise adult and give them advice. Maybe it's just, you just stand there and you listen mm. and you don't really say that much. And it's just so they understand that you're, yeah. you're someone they can talk to and you're prepared to listen to them, not judge them not shame them. They've spent so much time in those positions of being judged and shamed in so many different ways. Just listen. And then eventually, you know, you just, you get to more interesting conversations and they will probably uh, actually start to have these conversations with you if they feel they trust you. How much do you think parents should share about their own sex life or you know, current sex life and kind of history of what their experiences were as teenagers? Is that things that maybe is better just kind of um, 
not really talking about too much, or that's gonna uh, maybe <laughs> create that reaction from the kid that's like, oh, oh I don't wanna know, I don't wanna know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me that. Ooh, no, well, I think there are elements of experience that you don't have to go into detail of. I think part of the exclusion that we might have with, with our teenagers is they forget that we've gone through what they've gone through. And I think, again, it's about, it's kind of, I had this experience, you don't need to go through the detail, but it's like you could describe to the moments where you were particularly vulnerable or moments where you, you made a mistake or moments where you felt that you don't have to go into the, the absolute nitty-gritty of it. That's not necessary. It's about, without kind of going, I've done everything you've done. I know all the answers. Here they are. It's just going, well, I had this kind of experience and this is what happened and I felt great about this and this was amazing or this was a bit scary or I was silly in doing this so that they can understand that you've you know, gone through their experiences but you're not trying to tell them how they should be in them or, or what the right answer and wrong. They have to make their own mistakes and this is something that we sometimes forget as parents as well. They have to make their own mistakes because I sometimes I don't think we do allow them to be their own people. We, we try to shape them. They have to find their way. If they can't make those mistakes and learn from them themselves, then they'll, it's a deficit for their own future. Doesn't it seem like there's this idea, idea, especially among young men, that it's like we can't be awesome at sex and we can't be vulnerable about, hey, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. This is, this is my first time. I'm just uh, trying to figure this out. You know, help me, you know, understand how to pleasure you better. And, you know, let's talk about what you need and what would be better for you. It's like, I think when we see like the sex scenes on movies and stuff, it's never like that. It's just like, oh, okay. Lights out, <laughs> close off, sliding into the covers. And so like, there's never really that kind of communication or vulnerability or something like that. It's like gives us this warped perspective that we need to know exactly what to do and we need to just do it right. And maybe that also goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the porn and how a big part of watching porn, I think, is trying to learn what am I supposed to do? How's this yeah. supposed to work so that when I get in that situation, I'll know I can be smooth and uh, I can do it right or something. And then we're kind of getting that information from a little bit of a skewed source. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things, isn't it? You're expected to be all knowing and all skillful. What have we any of us ever done right. the first time round where we're suddenly right. amazing at, you know, whatever it might be, you know, which it's just massively unrealistic. Yeah. But this is that that idea of masculinity that this where sort of masculinity is presented to teenage boys as control and power is the end game. Mm. And whether that's control and power of yourself or whether that's control and power over others, whether it's your friends or whether it's a potential intimate partner, but control and power is the end game. And any sense of vulnerability or kind of intimacy in those ways is seen as a deficit. And this is kind of part of the narrative. They're continuing to be taught whatever media that they're seeing, whether it's images or films, or it just essentially it's just all around them. So this idea of them being vulnerable, you're fumbling away through your first time. And this is, I think, what sometimes is the, the catalyst to these assaults, is that they're fumbling their way through their first time. They don't know what they're doing. They're feeling embarrassed about this. The partner they're with is not sure what's going on. So rather than saying, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, yeah. can you know, let's just work this one out between us. Yeah. They kind of double down on the uh, power and control. They double down on, mm. on the idea that they don't want to appear to be vulnerable. And then they sort of go into this memory of the lessons from porn and then it becomes aggressive it becomes violent it becomes mm. it comes all these sorts of things where there's no sense of a partnership there's no sense of sharing there's no sense of intimacy because again these boys are shamed for 
showing vulnerability. And this is, I mean, it's a conversation that I know you have a lot about boys and masculinity and developing it into men and these elements of their life. But it's um, impossible to attain situation. Right. As long as you're trying to live up to that ideal, you're always going to feel inadequate. Absolutely. Like yeah. Never good enough or manly enough Absolutely. or smooth enough or yeah. whatever it is. And actually the fumble fest, <laughs> you know, is actually the beginnings of, of that learning process. Yeah. And the being vulnerable is the beginnings of that learning process as long as it's safe and it's consensual and it's, you know, there's a shared experience and you grow from this, but yeah. you don't grow from that power and control idea. intimacy is the central idea of the book and how much more intimate is it to actually express your insecurities and vulnerabilities and talk through that with one another than it is to close all that down and pretend you're fine and you're smooth and you know exactly what to do but for some reason we don't want to go there no and you know intimacy isn't just the, the sexual act yeah. it's the conversations it, it's being with somebody it's just having a being just being physically with somebody walking through the town, walking through some woods, it's yeah, being vulnerable and sharing parts of yourself that you uh, might not other share with others. And you know, there's a reality also here that there's a fear of of being burned. There's a fear of you know, they're having a relationship with somebody and then that going sour and that it's suddenly becoming difficult and negative and, and that's you know, it's part of life. That's probably part of the conversations with parents of saying actually, you know, yes, you're 16, 17, 18, you're in love with somebody. It's wonderful. It might end. Yeah. And if it does end, it might be really painful. But actually, that's also part of life. And that's part of the journey of what we experience with each other and the journey of intimacy, sharing something special with each other. Actually, if it does end and you're feeling bereft and it's difficult, it's also because you've shared these moments and you're mourning the fact that, that those intimate moments won't be shared with this person again. It's important. You say in the book that there are two main rules when it comes to sex. What are those? Consent and safety, basically. Uh, and everything else comes from those two. Yeah. Because in writing the book, I worked with an amazing young sex therapist over here in, who's actually a family mm -hmm. friend. Uh, she's extraordinary, called Cherish Amber. And she went through the book with a fine-tooth comb, both from her young woman position, but also in terms of the sex therapist position. Yeah. Uh, and I was, I've talked through some interesting elements of sexual activities in the book. And she felt that as I was approaching some of these that, that I wasn't approaching these saying, I was approaching some of them suggesting the idea that they were, it's not that they were wrong, but they were mm. odd or unusual. And actually the reality is that everything's possible in, in, in a sexual encounter. There are so many different kinks and I, you know, different ways of, of engaging with each other in multiple different ways that, you know, there might be half a dozen people in over this town over here who really like to do it, but everybody else thinks, well, that's just weird, but it's mm. not for them. And actually, if you're engaging with something and it's safe and it's consensual, other people might find it a bit odd and a bit extreme, but actually, right. why not? So it's consensual and safe. It's everything else is, is you know, on the table. How do you think how we convey those or how do we teach those two concepts to a teenager? Well, that's, yeah, that's a really interesting idea. And also, I mean, one of the challenges that, that we're starting to face is that some of our young people are having what is essentially violent and assaultive sex, but both of those participants don't understand that actually it's assault mm. because porn is teaching them that this is what sex is. Yeah. So then, you know, 
there could be an idea that this female partner having been assaulted has actually consented to that not knowing that she's being assaulted because she thinks that's normal and this is part of the normative process that, that we're going through in terms of how porn is teaching our young people what is okay and what isn't you know so consent is is a really interesting conversation i've had some really interesting conversations about this in terms of now what the landscape of the world is changing for these young people are you enjoying do you like what you're experiencing mm -hmm. do you feel threatened by this do you feel uncomfortable from this do you feel is there any part of you that's going i don't want to do this but i'm not really sure mm -hmm. then you know we know how to keep safe for ourselves yeah. do you feel safe do you want to have this experience and having the voice to say no and for our young men to understand that what that is and also to understand when people are vulnerable that they've had a couple of drinks if they're you know under the weather you know if they're under the weather from alcohol or drugs or or anything this isn't a if someone's not in the right state of mind then, then they're not in the right state of mind so it's the responsibility for this as well i mean these are becoming part of our narratives in terms of our cultural narratives of seeing these situations so we know what they are now young people know what they are they will have heard stories from their people at school or they would have just seen them or you know in their media they know what this is and it's so, right. so it's making the choices that they know are safe and consensual and understanding that actually if somebody is inebriated and you've gone home with them actually not ensuring that nothing happens is actually it's a really important kind of action mm -hmm. to take as a guy to make sure that, that this person is safe and actually sober intimate relations are far more interesting than inebriated interactions. And yeah, I talk a lot in the book about fair amount in, about alcohol and drugs and, and just the, the knock-ons of this, both in terms of the decisions you make, but also in terms of your performance abilities. Ah, They're detrimental, you know. Yes. Well, there's this idea that it's that well, that it would it's gonna make it easier because I'm so nervous and so awkward, and maybe both of our, you know, just boundaries will be come down a little bit and will be more open and I can open myself up and be able to relate more or something and that drugs and alcohol definitely as a teenager feel like maybe this will help me kind of get over some of those really hard things or something like that uh, because intimacy is hard it's <laughs> challenging and I think yeah. we see alcohol a lot of times as a crutch or sort of a, a cheat code yeah, or something yeah. that can help us uh, achieve that more but there's just really problematic yeah absolutely and you know subverts our inhibitions in that way that we also start to make yeah. wrong decisions so not only only is it a detrimental to your performance but in terms of the, the decisions you make right. in terms of safety yeah. the decisions you make in terms of consent now being in the right decisions or the safest decisions are being inhibited by your state of mind and we've all been in those positions where we are our inhibitions have just gone boom and slammed slammed shut in front of us and there's a big part of us is going i wish there was some way i could get past this but yeah that's you know it's not that's, that's not the answer and actually again probably starting with those conversations easy conversations is how we can move into getting past those inhibitions taking it step by step we're here talking about intimacy and sex with Ben Dunks, and we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. We just discussed that we're all very different, and actually we all see the world in different ways. And if you're going to discuss that with your kids, you could be discussing something that you might have done as a family gone somewhere or, or seen a movie or, or watched something, discuss your different responses to it. Yeah. And 
this is a similar thing in terms of uh, intimate encounters. But there is a reality that physiologically males and physiologically females are, are wired very differently in terms of, of how intimate encounters happen. And, you know, there's super accelerated to ready in four seconds flat for young guys. And it could be four seconds flat for a young woman, but it could also be 15 minutes or half an hour or an hour. Right. So it's, again, it's being mindful that these situations change and being mindful of listening and being attentive and, and being present in terms of what's happening with your partner and doing what is asked or just finding sharing the moment and finding the way through having the best experience for both of you. Because actually yesterday, if you're having an intimate encounter with your girlfriend, then she might have just been with you. <laughs> I think the conversations around masturbation are that it's a really important thing for young women and young men to do. It's a really important to explore yourself. And it's actually really, I, the conversation I think is also it's really important to explore masturbation without porn yeah. and just through the physical physiological experience of yourself find what you like and what you don't because if you haven't had that exploration you are at a disadvantage when you are suddenly with somebody else not only have you not taken the time to understand how you feel different elements of pleasure for yourself but that will then mean you won't understand how to then take that same experience of yourself with somebody else there are a lot of guys for whom partners buying toys makes them feel inadequate and actually it should be adding to the possibilities it's not an inadequacy it should be actually we have this what that we do when we are without toys and then this is just an additional pleasurable experiences that we can do <laughs> and it might be that actually you experiment with them and you go actually they're just not for us or you might experience one or two and you go actually let's get the entire range and actually, you know and again you might be with somebody who says no i don't want to touch those stuff i don't like those battery things and then somebody else who says look opens the cupboard and and you know they've got the gold deluxe editions so it's some um, again everybody changes and it's being open to to these changes but it's also knowing what you like and actually they are enhancing the experience as opposed to replacing the experience and that's just a really important element of, of that the sooner they can understand that the better it's not a, a statement of disappointment want to hear the full interview sign up for a subscription today you get access to all the interviews i've conducted as well as new episodes weeks before the general public it's completely affordable and your subscription helps support the work we do here at talking to teens thanks for listening i'll see you next time